0: You know, I've kind of realized that I have a common thread of really creating more ease and more time for entrepreneurs. You know, Meet Edgar and Paperbell are quite different, but they both have that as a really central theme is they both free up your time. Um, And, you know, anyone who knows me knows that I'm really passionate about work-life balance. You know, even though I founded these software companies, I've been working part-time um, throughout almost all the journey, had several months of parental leave throughout the journey. So, you know that that's kind of like the core theme where I I start.
1: Welcome to Social Post, a podcast brought to you by Meet Edgar. Each week, we bring you a guest to inspire your creativity, breathe new life into your marketing strategy, and get you motivated to take action in your business. Whether you're just starting out or a seasoned entrepreneur, you'll walk away feeling like you took your social media marketing multivitamin. Enjoy the interview and remember, what's possible for them is possible for you. And we can't wait to see your success. Welcome back to another episode of Social Post, and today we are joined by the founder of Meet Edgar, Laura Roeder, and she's going to talk over some of the coolest things that she's learned from all of the businesses that she's created over the years. So I'm going to pass it over to Laura to introduce herself first, and then we'll get into a fun conversation. So go right ahead, Laura.
0: Yeah, thanks, Megan. So yeah, as Megan mentioned, I'm uh, the founder of Meet Edgar, uh, Founded the business about six years ago and before that I was teaching social media marketing that's kind of how Meet Edgar got started. Um, you can still take our course Social Brilliant which is the course I taught that was kind of the seed of the concept of Meet Edgar. Um, before that I co-founded Marie Forleo's B-School with her. Um, I had more social media training programs under LKR Social Media. I was a freelance designer, did some social media consulting. So yeah, I've been an entrepreneur for um, like 12 or 13 years, something like that. So yeah, I've had a lot of different businesses and and business models. Um, And I think we might reference today, I recently launched another software business, uh, which is called Paperbell, which is a tool for coaches, as in life coaches and business coaches, not um, sports coaches, life coaches and business coaches and that type of coach. It's a tool for coaches to manage their billing and their scheduling and kind of their whole business admin.
1: Yeah. So you've been on quite a journey going from an educational business to now developing mm-hmm. two software companies. And I think one of the best things that I've found working at a company that you've found is, is how much that you love to humanize business. Everything about your copy is based upon writing like a real human to other real humans, showing your face behind a software company that can be so easily just a computer screen to people. Yeah. So Can you talk about how you've really developed such a human centered business approach to all of these businesses and some of these concepts that we maybe our listeners can take to their own businesses to really help humanize them and grow their brands?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a place that I got lucky is that I never worked at any sort of big company. And I have really more or less only worked for myself. I had one job out of college that I was there for like a year and a half. And then I quit to become a freelance designer. So what I've noticed is I haven't been uh, indoctrinated in a lot of the enterprise corporate speak, <laughs> you know, that a lot of other people have. So my whole world has always been small businesses, freelancers, entrepreneurs. You know, that's that, that's where that focus and passion came from. And Meet Edgar, I think that's something really unique about us is that we truly do focus on entrepreneurs, where most social media companies uh you know maybe have a plan for entrepreneurs, but really they're trying to sell big enterprise plans and it's kind of their focus as a business. Our focus is on solopreneurs, freelancers. You know, we have a lot of one one man, one woman operations who are our customers, which I think is such a cool model, you know, to have. Um, So I think it's something that just kind of came naturally to me. I think I remember when I was a web designer and I was trying to figure out if I should use me or we on my website, you know, which I think is something a lot of people struggle with. You know, they're starting out as a freelancer and they're like, "Oh, I don't want my clients to know that it's just me." You know, I'll say we did this and we did that, and it's kind of funny because along my journey, I think when I was starting out, I was insecure about it and I tried to make myself sound, sound you know, quote unquote, bigger, like a bigger company. And then now that I am running, it's still a very small company, but it's not just me uh, now sometimes people do think it's just me because, because the marketing, you know, I'm so prominent in, in the marketing. I mean, now for Meet Edgar, you know, a lot of people get to know you and other faces of the company. Um, but for a while, people kind of thought I did everything, even when we've always had a great team running meet Edgar, because I, I did make it so much about my story because I, Like, who relates to a company? We all relate to other people, right? We all relate to human stories, not the technicalities of how software is functioning.
1: Yeah, that makes so much sense. And this human side works so well for social media, especially building up what we call know, like, and trust in the Mm -hmm. ability to get people to know your brand and trust you so they feel really good about buying from you. Can you talk a little bit about the role social media has played in each of your companies and kind of what you're doing at this point as you're developing a brand new software, Paperbell, to start a brand new brand on social media? Some of the tips that you've seen work really well?
0: Yeah. So, you know, how I always think of social media is, it's this incredible free communication channel. And I emphasize free because of course, over the years, you know, reach has atrophied and I know that's something really frustrating for all of us who are marketing on social media. We're like, we put all this time into creating our content and then only this tiny percentage sees it. And you know, Facebook's not showing my post to anybody. It's, it's such a common frustration. And it's, you know, it's all real. It's all a real obstacle to overcome. And at the same time, we're given these platforms where people can follow us for free, right? No one has to pay to follow you on Instagram or to like your Facebook page, right? The user doesn't have to pay. And you as the creator don't have to pay either. You know, when you send email marketing, you have to. To pay somebody to send it out, you don't have to. Facebook would like you to pay, which is why they're always like making your reach smaller and smaller, being like, "Give us advertising money." That's okay. It's fair enough, right? They've given us a lot for free, um, but I think that's just so important to recognize. So, you know, I mean, there are so many cool things you can do with social media, but I, to me, one of the most important ways to use it is just to remember that we have these channels where people can stay in touch with you and some, like not even forgetting the no like trust. There's to me a level below that, which is just the, like, I exist. I'm here. Maybe you'll remember me. And that's like, you know, putting regular updates on Twitter and someone following you on Twitter. Maybe they don't sign in that much. Maybe they follow a lot of people and they don't see your updates that much. Maybe you don't tweet that much. Right. But they have a way to stay connected to you. You know, six months later when they're like, Oh, what was that? Social media tool. It was like an octopus or something. They're trying to remember. They're trying to figure out what it was, right? And then they have this chance when they log into Twitter and they're like, oh, there it is. Okay, that one, you know? So that's why I think it's such a missed opportunity for companies not to be just putting just some level of regular content across all the social channels. Because as we know, like people are not reading every blog post, they're not reading every email, they're not looking at every Instagram post, right? So you have to give people a lot of opportunities to stay in touch with you.
1: Yeah, that makes so much sense. And excuse me, I think one of the things that I've learned from you is this concept of seven touch points in order to get Mm -hmm. someone to be really recognizing a brand or to be really excited about purchasing from a brand. So getting those seven touch points across different social media channels is way easier than trying to email someone like seven different times, so that makes so much sense. Um, So in each of your companies, you've identified like a problem that needs to be solved, whether it's educating people on social media or making sure people have a software tool and system set up to send out their social media with Edgar, or now with Paperbell, having a coaching system set up for them. Can you talk through how you actually identify these being problems that need to be solved and kind of vetting like. Will this be something people will buy Um, and how your thought process
0: happens through that? Yeah, you know, I've kind of realized that I have a common thread of really creating more ease and more time for entrepreneurs. You know, Meet Edgar and Paperbell are quite different, but they both have that as a really central theme is they both free up your time. Um, and, you know, anyone who knows me knows that I'm really passionate about work-life balance. You know, even though I founded these software companies, I've been working part-time um, throughout almost all the journey, had several months of parental leave throughout the journey. So, you know, that that's kind of like the core theme where I I start. And, you know, I I believe that you can never really know if something's successful until someone gives you money. You know like you can build a list you can attract traffic um there's lots of problems out there that people would like to solve but they won't pay to solve actually just this morning my husband was telling me an idea for what i think is a problem like that like he was saying that he wants to set up um google alerts for this business that he's interested in he's like but the business name is kind of generic so i get all these google alerts about all sorts of stuff he's like they could use ai to actually only make it about the business that i want And i'm like yeah like You would use that but there's no way you would pay for that you know like yeah if you gave it to him he'd be like oh cool i'll set this up for my alerts but he's not gonna pay a dollar a month right he's not gonna pay anything so i think that that's important in the sense that you don't want to get too far down the road right sometimes you'll see people spending years and years just like planning their concept for a business you know planning doing research and three years later they haven't given anyone an opportunity to buy from them, you know. So, um, my businesses—I didn't know that they would be successful. I, I had, I found a problem that I just observed people having, which is not that difficult to do, you know. With Meet Edgar, I saw that people were having to create way too much content for the social media. We're having trouble organizing all of it. Uh, people did what we were teaching in the Social Brilliant course, I'm like, okay, they'll probably buy software to do what the course is teaching. And with Paperbell, I saw all these entrepreneurs that were um, trying to, well, not even really trying to tie together, really just that had totally separate systems for payments and scheduling and client admin. So they had no idea like who had paid when and how many sessions they had left. Um, And it's not like I did any sort of super deep innovative research. Like you see people talking about this all the time online and in Facebook groups, and you can just talk to any coach and it'll come up pretty quickly. So, you know, I think finding that idea is all about just observing the world around you. And I think when you look at software, sometimes it seems like uh, you have to have this really new idea, uh, but that's not necessarily true. You know, if you just have a way to solve a problem, you don't have to have some super unique way to solve that problem right you just need to be one of the businesses one of the people who's solving it which kind of takes us back to that personal brand and human language that you were kind of referencing earlier you know when people need to choose an accountant they don't actually have any way to know who's the best quality accountant right like just how would you possibly there's no objective way to measure that they they can't really work with you until they hire you so since they don't know who's the best accountant They can know who's like the friendliest accountant or the accountant that returns their emails the most quickly or writes the most clear emails. And we often forget that's actually the basis of people hiring us, those things on the outside, because of course, like all you can see are the things on the outside because you haven't worked with someone yet.
1: Yeah, that's a really cool way of looking at it. And I love how simple you make this team is that will this problem be something people are excited to pay for? And you know, we're all motivated by avoiding pain in life so much. So if you see a pain point, you can just think to yourself, will someone pay to fix this? And if the answer is yes, you get a lot of yeses from people. It's that's steering you in a really great direction. So I love that simplicity there. Um, And sticking on this idea of payment, I know a lot of small business owners have a lot of problem pricing their tool or promoting their Mm -hmm. tool out there and asking for payment because we get a little bit nervous about it sometimes. So how do you actually look at kind of pricing the products that you create and asking people to pay for them um, in a way that makes you excited about promoting the tools that you've actually created?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that you need to feel good about the value you provide. It can be tricky because people often have so many of their own mindset issues about pricing that it can it can be sort of hard to know if you're thinking clearly. Like someone else might say a hundred dollars is so cheap for that, and you're so scared of charging a hundred dollars that you think no, it's it's really expensive, you know. So, I mean. Honestly, one of the best things you can do, and this goes for a lot of things in business, is try as much as you can to pretend it's not your business. (laughs) You know, like pretend that your friend came up to you and was like, I'm launching this. How much do you think I should charge? And this like goes for everything. I'll tell myself this whenever I'm feeling, um, whenever I'm feeling weird or nervous about something If I'm like, oh, well, I can't, I can't like. I can't publish, just to pick a really silly example, right? Like, oh, well, I can't publish that blog post because I already published a sort of similar one last week and and people will be bored of that topic. It's like, okay, imagine that Megan called me and she's like, I'm thinking about writing this post, but I wrote a similar one. And I'd be like, well, are they similar because people really want to know about that topic? And you'd be like, yes. I'm like, okay, write the post, (laughs) you know? So I think with pricing too, sometimes you have to just sort of like hold your breath jump in, be like, okay, I know that if my friend charged this, I would tell her to go for it. So even though I feel like it's crazy for me, I'm just going to say, okay, if, if she can charge it, I can charge it too.
1: I love that advice and I've never heard it before, but I think it makes so much sense. When I get nervous to like hop on a webinar or do a live stream, mm-hmm. I sometimes just pretend like I'm someone else and I have a little <laughs> ego and it makes it so much easier to like show up and like get rid of those nerves. So I think that kind of goes hand uh, in hand and I agree, it totally yeah. works. Um so as we're kind of sticking on this money theme what kind of things do you track in order to know you're on the right direction with a business um when it comes to like should i pivot my business should i shut this business down if it's not working when you first start like how do you know if you're on the right direction or if you need to make some changes
0: Yeah so i mean i think the first thing to ask yourself is are you are you really treating it like a business you know and i think one of the downsides of being able to work online and being able to work from home is that it's really easy to kind of dabble and kind of like mess around with your website, mess around with your social media. And sometimes people even tell themselves that they're like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to try this out. And then if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, I'm going to quit, but doesn't work means if it doesn't like miraculously, catch fire, you know, without you ever, like, putting any significant time or resources in it, people just magically discover you and, you know, start (laughs) sending you tons of money, so, you know, I always think about, um, I have friends that have run retail stores, you know, real brick and mortar retail stores, and when you open a retail store or a restaurant, you know, people don't really tend to dabble in that, because it costs a ton of money, right, you're not like, ah, like rent out this restaurant and hire a whole staff and if anyone shows up on the first day then I'll keep going like if no one shows up I'll just shut it down right so online businesses it's such an incredible gift that we can have so little capital to get started right that we can do so much of it with our own time but I think the downside of that is we we sometimes like give up too soon sometimes we don't invest enough like there are all sorts of problems that that come along with that so I think if you're trying to figure out um you know should I shut down my business should I pivot my business the first question is like have I have I treated this like a restaurant and that doesn't mean that you need to get a loan for five hundred thousand dollars that's the beauty of online business is that you don't but if you know if someone was from the outside looking in would they be like yeah you actually did launch that launch that business or did you just sort of mess around with things related to that business you know
1: yeah absolutely that's a really unique way of looking at it and i love all of these different sort of very simple comparisons that you make that make business make so much sense. And I feel like at one of our retreats, I heard you say that you read a ton, like you finish a book on every plane ride you go on. And I imagine that these books have led you to become very versed in these business practices that make it super simple for you to explain them to us. So can you talk a little bit about your reading habits and maybe share a couple of books that you found to be incredibly useful in uh, creating all of these businesses?
0: I also have to add, for any other parents listening, I clearly finished a book on a plane ride uh, before I had kids. I would (laughs) love to be able to read on a plane ride now. That sounds amazing. Love
1: it. Now
0: I'm just like telling people not to kick other people on a plane ride. (laughs) Um, But I am still, I am still an avid reader for sure. Um, yeah, I read, I, you know, habit-wise, I usually read for about an hour every evening. Um, sometimes I'll get, like, a longer stretch on the weekend to read. Um, my two-year-old just stopped napping, so that'll probably never happen again, but it used to happen <laughs> for a while. Um, and, yeah, I read a lot of different types of books, but I do, I do love reading business books. Um, I'm reading one right now that I'm loving. Actually, I'm reading two that I'm loving. One is called uh, The Wizard of Ads by Roy Williams. And it's, it's just like an old school book about advertising copy. Um, I'll share a little nugget that I've remembered from the book. He talks about how people obviously have their own thought patterns going all the time about their own situation, their own life. And he said, if you want people to notice your message, offer them a more interesting sentence than the one that's currently in their head. I just love how you put that, like the idea of that a lot of the ways we talk about our business are really boring, right? So if we just say a social media tool, that's kind of a boring sentence where it's like, okay, social media tool, okay, what am I going to make for dinner later? But if you can offer a sentence like, wouldn't you, like, (laughs) this is a really terrible example off the top of my head, but you know. Wouldn't you be like to be the type of person that attracts a hundred new followers a week? And by the way, you didn't actually spend any time on your social media that week. Maybe you're like, that's interesting. How do they attract a hundred new followers without spending any time on their social media? I kind of I kind of wanna know more about that. So yeah, I think you know, reading is amazing and magical because you just get to get in the brains of all these really interesting people and kind of download everything in their thoughts. And I mentioned two books, so I'll just say the name of the other one. The other one is called um, Alchemy. I have no idea the author of that one because I read on Kindle and you never see authors. Um, But yeah, it's a newer book that came out this year, Alchemy, which is kind of about um, how basically how humans do a lot of really illogical things. And we often try to solve human problems in this really logical way and it doesn't work out so i would i would recommend both of those books
1: Oh, Those do sound really interesting. So it sounds like you have such an amazing um, work-life balance going on here. And I know that you have structured me Edgar, uh, in the way that we work 40 hours a week. We have very great um, systems set up to make sure that we all get to participate in a great work-life balance as well. You read for an hour every night, you've got a couple of kids, and you own two businesses. Can you talk a little bit about your philosophy behind work-life balance and speak to some of the systems that you've set up either in your your businesses in your life to make this achievable for you?
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, there's kind of a mindset behind the systems and the mindset is everything in your business needs to get done, but it doesn't need to get done now. And it doesn't need to get done by you. <laughs> so those are like the two important things. So, you know, you're looking at a business, you always have this endless list of everything you need to do. And we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves because we're, you know, we're entrepreneurs, we're ambitious people. We want to get it all done now, right? We have that list. We wanted the five different campaigns that we have on our head, the three new features that we want to build for our product, like this new sales technique that we want to try. We want to do all of it. And it helps me to remember like, okay, I'm going to do my things. But I'm not gonna but I'm not gonna do them today. I'm not gonna do them this week. I'm not even gonna do them this month, you know? But I will have time eventually. Because if you kind of take a step back and look at it that more holistic way, it just it takes a lot of the pressure off because you're the only one putting pressure on yourself, right? I mean, if you do client work, sometimes you get pressure from your clients, although I mean how much pressure do you let them give you, right? Like what boundaries have you put in place? People can make requests of you. That doesn't mean that you have to meet those requests. And that's another thing. Often entrepreneurs um, feel like just, we have to say yes to everything. So when a client says, oh, I'm sorry, like I'm busy that day. Could you do an evening call? You're like, nope, I don't work in the evenings, but I'm happy to talk to you the next day. And it's fine, you know, and we get so nervous about having any kind of boundary is that we just say yes to everything when really actually the other person is probably like oh yeah actually that sounds I don't want to have an evening call either like that sounds better let's just let's just do it the next day right so I think something else I tell my down, I'll I'll tell myself when I find myself feeling sort of stressed is um I'll, I'll say to myself slow down to speed up and that just means like that if you take that little mental break Take a second to reassess, you know, am I working on the highest priority thing? Am I being efficient with my time? That slowing down is long-term actually how you're going to speed up in the sense that you're going to get more done instead of feeling frazzled and burnt out.
1: Yeah. I love that. Slow down to speed up. And it's so funny what our brains do and convince mm. us that people are going to be mad if we push a meeting mm-hmm. to the next day because we need to. So that's a great, great reminder. So one last thing that I'd love for you to touch on is I know you're a part of mastermind groups and some of the success mm. of me, Edgar, is the amazing network that you have where we're able to create partnerships with other companies who have a similar audience for us. So can you speak to how networking with other people in the industry has helped your success? Success in business and if you're someone just getting started um, and you don't have a big network at this point like where would you start building
0: that up yeah so um, you know a lot of my connections have been in in-person conferences which I know is not a super useful tip at the moment we're recording but hopefully <laughs> you know we'll resume again someday Um, and you know, I want to share a little tactical tip for going to in-person conferences. You know, we often have a filter around the people that we approach, the people that we talk to, we'll kind of look for people who we feel are quote unquote, like us. So if you are like just starting out in your business and you're attending this conference, you'll sort of often naturally gravitate to the people who are just starting out or maybe the conferences that you choose, right? You'll go to conferences with a bunch of other people who are starting out, and maybe you don't meet people who are a little farther along the journey. So, you know, something that I've done at conferences, I can remember one in particular. Often, you know, you have lunch on site, so it's like the catered lunch, it's like school cafeteria, everybody's looking around, like, who do I know, who am I gonna sit with? I was at this conference and I wasn't speaking, I was just attending, and I noticed that, A lot of the speakers were sitting at the same table together, you could easily, you know, they had like special lanyards and you could easily spot them. And I thought, you know, I want to sit at that table because I want to, like, those are some of the people that I'd most like to meet and talk to at this conference. And I think a lot of people would look at that table and consciously or unconsciously be like, oh, that's the speaker table and, and I'm not a speaker, right? It wasn't the speaker table, just a bunch of the speakers knew each other and happened to be sitting there. So I just sat down and introduced myself. And by the way, like, let's say that I was wrong. And they were like, Oh, actually, this is reserved for speakers only. I just be like, Oh, sorry, thanks. And go over to another table. Like, it's fine. (laughs) You know, I get so scared of stuff like that. Like, it would be, it would be totally fine. So I think for making those connections, you know, introduce yourself to the people who are the quote unquote top people, which is a silly thing to say, because as soon as you talk to them, you're like, oh, they're a human, just, just like me, (laughs) you know, and also go to conferences that maybe you feel like are a bit farther along in business. You know, I went to um, the Conscious Capitalism CEO Conference, and I was like, I'm, I'm like looking at all their materials, and I'm like, okay, these people are running businesses with hundreds of employees. I think it might have even had a um, minimum revenue amount that your business was supposed to be doing. And my business was not there yet. And I actually emailed them. And I'm like, hey, I'm under, let's say it was like 10 million. I'm like, I'm under 10 million annual revenue, but I'd really like to attend your conference. Is that okay? And they're like, yeah, of course, come join us. (laughs) You know." So it's just, you know, we put ourselves in these little Boxes. Um, Any, you don't have to do that.
1: Yeah, I love how this whole conversation really has been centered around either humanizing your business and your copywriting, remembering to set boundaries because other humans will understand them, or remembering that when you're talking to people at a conference, they're just humans too. They probably have the same insecurities that you do, and if you can be that person to approach them first, you can break down that boundary yourself. So humanizing these online businesses does truly seem to be a superpower that you have, and I really appreciate you sharing that with our community today. And as we wrap up here, I would love for you to just share your favorite business tip that you think small business owners could take and uh, put into action sometime this week to see some results from.
0: Oh, good question. So what can they put into action this week to get some results from? So I have a little, um, I have a little note in my office that says easy wins. So Easy wins are whatever you know you should be doing, but you have everyone has a list like this, right? Like it often for me, it often comes out if I'm talking to a friend and they're like, have you? and they'll say like a super obvious idea for your business. And you're like, well, I haven't done that really obvious idea for my business because I have this excuse as to like why I can't do it or why it won't work for me, or like why it'll take so too long, you know. But you know that if you just did it, it could be a really easy win you know at meet edgar we've been revamping our affiliate program and it took us ages like to launch an affiliate and then people would always be like you just have an affiliate program i'm like yes but i have lots of very good excuses as to why we shouldn't have an affiliate program but people are like people really want to promote you oh i know okay (laughs) so again it's always like easier to see for someone else's business and so maybe you just want to have a friend ask you okay what is the easy win that i'm missing in my business and maybe your friends like um your website looks like it was made in the 90s everyone thinks it's horrible like why don't you get someone to update that or you're like your friends like well i know that you're scared of making sales calls that's not going so well for you maybe you need to practice and make 10 sales calls this week right do the thing this week that's your easy maybe not so easy win because you haven't made yourself do it but easy in the sense that you know the odds are really good it would work out for you
1: Oh, I love that so much. And that fresh perspective from a friend looking at your business without your eyes looking at it all the time Mm. can make such a huge difference. So that's a great tip to end on here. Well, Laura, thank you so much for your time and sharing your story. Guys, if you want to get in touch with Laura, I'll put her social media handles in the show notes here and check out Paperbell and Meet Edgar. Laura, thanks so much. This has been a really fun conversation. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in and be sure to keep the conversation going with us on social. We're at Meet Edgar on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So let us know your biggest takeaway from today's episode and don't forget to tag us. Visit www.MeetEdgar.com and start a free trial to uplevel your social media marketing strategy today. Happy posting.